Welcome in, and thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Biblecast, a podcast ministry from Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris, and I serve as pastor of administration and outreach at Delaware Bible Church. And again, as we come to you here in this podcast this week, we are sharing uh, testimonies and information about some of the missionaries that have joined us for Missions Conference. And joining me today for our interview today is a missionary who I met for the first time just a little bit ago. She's one of our latest missionaries here at the church. She's serving here in central Ohio, and her name is Lydia. Lydia, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So Lydia, if you wouldn't mind, please begin. Uh, you're a newer missionary to that our church is supporting, but share with us a little bit about uh, where you currently live and about what you're doing on the mission field. So I've been serving in central Ohio for about a year and a half. Uh, Previously to that, I was in Savannah, Georgia. Um, The focus of the mission is working amongst the diaspora people, preaching and teaching the gospel right here in the United States. Wow. So that is a pretty cool mission field, one that uh, I haven't heard too much about. Can you tell us about the board that you're on and how you got to the mission field here? That's kind of a complicated question, but I'll... I'll go as best I can. Okay. <laughs> so uh, graduated from a university in Cincinnati and mm-hmm. fresh off the boat, you know, freshly graduated, moved down to Savannah, Georgia um, in 2016 and have been working along the mission field through there. God called me back to Columbus is where I'm originally from. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the mission board that you currently serve with and what connected you here back to central Ohio? Sure. So in 2016, I moved down to Savannah, Georgia, and I worked with a small nonprofit company down there. Um, We did ESL education, which for those who don't know what that stands for, it means English as a second language. Um, We would preach and teach in this English school and then build relationships with those students, which would then lead to their homes and preaching and teaching in their homes. The long-term goal was church planting. So Mm -hmm. I I worked there till about 2019. And around the time COVID happened, that called me back home. And I've been serving in Central Ohio, kind of doing the same thing, but we're not recreating a program. Instead, um, I'm mainly working amongst businesses that have a large population Mm -hmm. of diaspora people groups. Um, I was in Amazon, and now I'm working at a hospital. Um, the organization that I'm working with um, is the same goal. You know, we build relationships, you know, we preach and teach for multiple generations, and then the long-term goal is to preach and teach, you know, disciple, mm-hmm. and then either A, those people groups go back to their home countries to then be missionaries amongst their own people, or here in the United States, they stay in those people groups and build a church within those people groups. So how do you get to, I know you mentioned working with those people groups, mm-hmm. but like what's the, how's the connection made there? Is it just by going and starting a relationship with them, whether it's an Amazon or in a hospital or how is that kind of started? Well, how do you meet new people? Oh, well, I guess, uh, Wherever you're at, you start a conversation and you get to know them. Exactly. So whether that be your neighbor, the gas station worker, your doctor, they're all here. Mm -hmm. We don't have an excuse anymore. You know, they're across the pond. No, they're not. They're right here in our backyard. Um, So it starts with, you know, a simple hello. Hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. What are you doing here? Um, 
how can I help you? Those kinds of things. And, you know, eventually those things turned into a relationship, which then means, hey, would you like to come over and have tea at my house? Mm -hmm. Hey, my family is having this um, barbecue and we're going to do kebabs. Would you want to come for that? And that, you know, then in that and reciprocated, would you like to come to my house? Mm -hmm. And over time, you build those relationships and Oftentimes, that often brings spiritual conversations along those lines, like, I'm a Christian, they're not. What does that mean? Because those stereotypes of what they see on TV does not match up with what my lifestyle does. Mm -hmm. And so that opens a whole other can of worms that they're not prepared for. Absolutely. (laughs) So it's very cool seeing how God moves amongst people here in the United States. So you mentioned, did you pronounce it the the Diaspora group? Mm Mm-hmm. Can you give us some characteristics of, of these people, or how would I uh, be able to, to characterize them or know more about them? So the definition of diaspora essentially means it's a scattered of population of people groups from their original location. So that okay. could be very different. So like oftentimes that would be referred to as somebody who's like a refugee, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a refugee. It's just mm-hmm. somebody who's outside of their normal diagraphic location. Okay. So would you mind describing for us just a normal day in your life as a missionary? Like what, what would that be like? What would you do for that? Sure. Well, currently I'm working at a hospital. Um, and why we're working at a hospital is we've done some research with local um, organizations around the United States. And one of the things we have found is that there's a lot of Christ-centered organizations and nonprofits that either do medical missions or they do the education, the after-school programs, you know, the the other relationship things, Mm -hmm. as well as working on universities, but there's not necessarily people who are working and preaching and teaching to the nurses, the doctors, the, you know, the cleaning staff at the hospital, the people who cook the food, the techs. There's no one really that we have found that are reaching those unreached people groups within the hospital. And so for some of my day, I would, you know, get ready to go to the hospital, work at the hospital. And during my time when I'm sitting at the lunch table, that would be me socializing with my peers Um, asking them how they are, how's their family, with the intention of then inviting them over to my home Mm -hmm. after work or on the day off. When I'm not working at the hospital from my previous job being at Amazon, I meet with those relationships. So those relationships have not died. They have continued. And Mm -hmm. so I will go over to their house and we will be for hours drinking tea, talking, sipping, um, socializing. I might take my friend to the doctor's office. We might go grocery shopping together, you know, fellowshipping Mm -hmm. together. Um, But it's not just hanging out. You know, we're intentionally bringing up conversations. We're intentionally being purposeful and being there with them and living life with them. So this may sound like an odd question along with this, but one that I'm interested in. So you being a supported missionary and working in these places, Mm -hmm. is that something where... You're doing that through your mission board and you have an in there, or are you also being supported by like Amazon or the hospital or wherever it is? And it's more like a tent making type of a thing. Uh, it is tent making. I mean, it's not forever. Mm-hmm. The intention is I'm not going to be in 
Amazon forever. I'm not going to be in the hospital forever. Those are just temporary tents, as you've stated, Mm -hmm. where we are meeting people where they are. You know, oftentimes, especially in American society, it's a very closed off. Mm -hmm. So you don't just go knocking on somebody's door and expect them to open the door for you to come and talk to them. I mean, that I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does. But it's just not common. America is very... Um, you know, it's my space, individualized, whereas across the pond, that may not be the case necessarily. Mm-hmm. So you have to first intentionally go where those people are, associate with them on their level, and then go back and invite them into your home, into your space. Um, and that could take time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not necessarily going to be what you want right away. That could take months and sometimes years. So right now, one, I'm not fully funded, mm-hmm. so I need that extra income until well, I am fully funded. Ju- yes, and now we're helping to fund you. <laughs> yes, so until I am fully funded, I have to have that outside resource to supply me the income. Um, but that's that's again not the intention. The intention is just being there temporarily, building relationships with the intention of then t- stepping back from that position and working full time in missions. Mm-hmm. So over the last few years, you've probably experienced very much what we have here in central Ohio regarding Mm COVID-19, maybe even it being a little bit stricter Mm -hmm. uh, in parts where you're going to be serving uh, in parts and areas of central Ohio than Delaware. But uh, can you share with us the difficulties, struggles that you've seen in your mission field uh, related to COVID-19 or any other major trials over the last couple of years in your time there? Well, having worked in the hospital during COVID, that was a big part of it. But mm-hmm. I mean, outside of the hospital, I mean, just being amongst people group, there were you know, a lot of times, you know, people didn't want you to come into their house. They didn't want to, you know, have your kids play with the other kids. You know, there was that already that barrier of, well, we have to stay six feet apart or, you know, we can't be in groups of greater than 10 or whatever that reason was. But the other part of it is, especially working with internationals, most of their news they get is not local. Mm -hmm. It's international. So when they see the big giant red blob on the screen, they freak out. It's not like a, hey, this is only a couple thousand. They see it in the millions. Mm -hmm. And so they're just traumatized by COVID for sure. Is that something that even though now we're seeing across Ohio and most of the country restrictions dropping, they're still like that for the most part? Or what are you kind of seeing? Mm, No, I've definitely seen a drop. I mean, I think part of it is people are just so tired of it. Absolutely. Uh, They're definitely fed up with it and they want to be with their friends. They they have either A, have already had it and so they know what it's like, Mm -hmm. or they're just tired of it and they're ready to move on. Um, I will not say that everybody's like that. There is definitely some people that are still reserved, Mm -hmm. especially the older generation, uh, multi-generational families. They probably would not invite somebody that they kind of know into their home. But I would definitely say there has been a, thankfully, a significant drop in that. Wonderful. Well, glad to hear that it's continuing to trend in that way there. Switching gears a little bit, uh, as we're learning more about you, would you mind sharing with us your, pers- your personal testimony of how you came to Christ and how God led you to the mission field. Sure. So I grew up in Ohio, for those that don't know. Um, 
and my dad is actually a minister at the church that I grew up at, and our church, thankfully, was very strong in missions. And so my entire life, I was exposed to missions. And um, when I was around 16 years old, they had this gypsy group come and sing at our church. And I was just in awe of these kids. You know, none of them could sing on pitch, but they were, <laughs> it was amazing. And, you know, coming from somebody who has um, a musical background, you know, seeing somebody praise God in such a beautiful way, um, it and it just touched me. And so I talked with my mom. I was like, Mom, can I please go on this you know, short-term mission trip. And, you know, I come from a fairly large family, so money isn't always there anyway. And uh, my mom was like, I don't know, honey, but, you know, God provided. And I ended up going on my first um, mission trip. It was for three months. Um, and I saw God in the eyes of a gypsy child. And, and I just, you know, felt that calling that this is what I was supposed to do with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I went again two, three more times to this country where these gypsy kids were and with the intention of going back there. Um, and then I went to school, got my bachelor's degree, and God closed the door. And I didn't understand why. And at first I was angry. God, why did you, you know, provide all these things for me? You know, I even started taking language lessons to go mm -hmm. over there. And then God closed the door. And it's because I was supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that I learned in that country with the gypsy kids were a wonderful, beautiful thing. But it was a training for what God was going to be plowing here. And I, it took me a while to understand that. Um, so after I learned that lesson and moved down to Georgia, I understood what his plan was. And I was there from 2016 to the beginning of 2019 and now here in Columbus. And I've just seen God move and miracles. I mean, people who were like Saul you know, who once persecuted Christians are now becoming Christians themselves and then are going out and preaching and teaching. It's a beautiful thing. It is, and I appreciate you sharing that. And it's neat to see how the Lord works from Georgia, bringing you back here mm -hmm. and his work in all of that. How then, okay, you're back here in central Ohio. How did you more recently get connected here with DBC? So a wonderful family, um, who actually works with the same um, organization as me. Their name is Sean and Heather Christensen. Fabulous family. Mm -hmm. um, I believe they did mission work in Haiti. And um, they were so kind. And they. I think I had met over them with coffee one evening, um, stating that, you know, I was looking... Um, for more mission support, and that either that evening or the following weekend, they had come up here and talked with you guys, and mm -hmm. they very over so kindly said, "Hey, by the way, there's this local missionary named Lydia, okay, and uh, I think she'd be a great fit." Um, but without them, we probably wouldn't be connected. Yeah, well, they are. A, yeah, they're a great family. She went to school here. Oh, cool. And they've been supported missionaries for a while. So I'm going to ask you an out of the box question, not on your sheet but one that uh, I have seen in my life and seen how the Lord worked, and I'd be interested to hear about it in your life. And that is you are serving the Lord as a single gal on the mission field. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the uh, things, areas where you can see that, man, the Lord really blesses through that and opportunities that you have and areas where that can be a struggle? Oh, for sure. Well, especially working amongst the people group that God has opened. I mean, predominantly working with Muslims and Hindus, I mean, that's a very male-focused 
ministry, but being here in the United States, there I don't have to wear a hijab. I don't have to cover up. Mm-hmm. I can talk with them, have spiritual conversations with them without fear. Um, there, obviously, there's still a respect. Like I don't, you know, I dress appropriately. Sure. And you know, I build relationships first with the wife and then go from there. I don't just walk up to a strange, you know, Muslim man saying, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Mm -hmm. That obviously is not the way to go about it. Um, But, you know, with months of building the relationship and trust, first of all, then you can go, the options are endless. And the other thing is, I think a lot of people forget with Muslim ministries, you can never limit God. Amen. You know, there's a lot of like, Lots of barriers that are there that we all know about. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is don't say no, because that's when God moves. Um, And so for an example, one of the amazing things that um, God opened up in Savannah is, you know, sharing the gospel with three Muslim men over a dinner table. I probably would not have been able to do that overseas. Mm -hmm. Another really cool thing is, is one of my Muslim neighbors, he came up to me and he says, you're so nice to my wife. She talks about you all the time. And that evening, he had left the lights on on his car. And so I went over and knocked on the door and said, hey, you left your lights on. And he's like, you know, I really appreciate you. And I don't think my other neighbors would have said that, but I see that. So mm-hmm. thank you. So like even just like little things um, is definitely cool. But yes, being a woman, a single woman, and a Christian woman, an American, mm-hmm. all of those things... <laughs> It's it's definitely um, for some for some people I wouldn't say all people um, it's definitely a big barrier in missions mm-hmm. but thankfully with God you know the options are endless Amen yeah he he breaks those barriers down mm-hmm. so for those of us and I I know a little bit about this but not too much I have heard that there is a large Muslim population in central Ohio. Oh, yeah. Is it a pretty large hub from what Um, you've experienced there? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I would say in Columbus alone, not including Cleveland, Toledo, and Cincinnati, there's estimated around sixty to 70,000 Somali Muslims. Um, And that's not including, you know, the Irani or the Turkish or, you know, Pakistani communities. And I know there's a lot of Afghani families that are being moved into Toledo and Cleveland area. So, I mean, there's just, and not including Cincinnati, I mean, there, there's just a lot of people here that do not know God. Mm-hmm. And when that is both encouraging and unsettling because where those people groups are, if we are not um, upfront with them and we do not approach them, they will build roots, which means they will build mosques, which means they will start affecting our school systems, our politics. You know, mm-hmm. they're very adamant about their religion. Their religion is government. And if we don't, you know, start sharing them about the truth of who the real God is, they will start um, implementing their agendas in our local community. It's good. It's true. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Outside of your profession, switching gears again here, what are some things that you enjoy doing as hobbies or uh, it sounds like a lot of tea and coffee meetings <laughs> with people. But other I than drink that, a lot of tea, <laughs> yes. Um, outside of chai, um, I do enjoy walking. Um, I oftentimes will walk along the river downtown Columbus or um, travel up to the lake, um, you know, just walking around. Um there's also some beautiful scenery in southeastern Ohio, like yes. camping down there, uh, walking around from. there is so stunning. 
Um, and, you know, just being outside and being immersed in God's beauty, that's uh, one of my favorite things. Um, but on like more of a physical, um, textual kind of thing, I love reading. Um, I also love painting and photography. Those are some of my other things. What are some favorite book recommendations you might have? Ooh. doesn't have to be Christian. could be in general. <laughs> well, actually, one of the books I just finished, and it is kind of a hard title to swallow, it's called Killing Christians. Oh. And um, it actually is a really encouraging book. I will, And it's about missionaries in um, other countries that were um, persecuted or murdered. But it's... Um, th- it's the title is hard to swallow, but the testimonies within the book are beautiful and very encouraging. So I I would definitely recommend that book, but just know up front before you read it that it's it that's what it's about. So I'm going to break my next question into a couple of different points here uh, with some of the things that we've shared there. Uh, what advices or resources would you share with someone listening who is interested in missions work similar to yours? That's the first part. But the second part is um, talking about what we've talked about, particularly with single women looking at this type of mission work. Mm -hmm. What's some advice that you would give there? Well, I think the first part of your advice is just go. Okay. Do it. Um, I think a lot of missionaries wait for some spontaneous calling or a feeling, and there may not always be that calling or feeling or a spontaneous moment. Uh, just go. Mm-hmm. Try. The worst that happens is you don't like it or you get called and filled somewhere else, but you don't know until you try. And I think the lesson learned for me is, you know, I was so blinded by needing to go overseas that I didn't realize and I had forgotten about all the Muslim people right here in Ohio. And for a while, I had suffered some guilt from that. You know, I had gone away. Why did I leave when there's all these people that I don't know God right here in my own backyard? Um, but the point of my advice is just go try. Um, and then can you repeat the second part of your question? Yeah, same, well, same question, but particularly for females who are single or single mm-hmm. people that are listening in, where they may see, oh, I have a bigger barrier there or, or a struggle there uh, in my singleness. What would your advice be to them uh, when they're interested in mission work? Same, th- same deal there. Um, being a single woman, you know, obviously like that has its barriers as we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think women, especially single women, sometimes get ahead of themselves, myself included. Um, take a step back, assess the situation before you just go. Um, you know, I'm you know I'm all about the Wonder Woman, you know, <laughs> being the independent woman. But sometimes it's not needed. Um, and same for guys. Like, don't try to be the hero. Sure. Let God lead. Um, sometimes humility is really important um, for women. You know. Um, Obviously, there's this layer of being careful that you need to pay attention to, um, but you don't necessarily have to go talk to the the dude. You don't necessarily have mm-hmm. to go talk to the main guy or just any guy. Go talk to the grandma. Yeah. Go talk to the mom. Go talk to the loner in the corner and build and build with the forgotten people. You know, Jesus didn't focus and preach to the people who were perfect he went and preached and teached to those who were sick Mm -hmm. those who were ostracized the outcast which brings me to one of my favorite bible verses which is the samaritan woman Mm -hmm. um you know being um 
in ministry, especially as a single woman, I go back to that story over and over and over again. So the one of my Amazon friends, you know, she had been um, a Muslim woman, and she has been divorced three times, which in I'm still trying to understand how the divorce system works within the Muslim culture, because apparently if you say divorce three times, you're divorced and that's it. Um, but there's also a legal divorce and then there's a spiritual divorce. So mm-hmm. there's, it's multi-layered. So I'm still trying to understand it outside of that. Um, but because she's been divorced so many times and she's currently been abandoned by her current husband, there's just a lot of um, outcast within her family, mistrust with her children. Um, she, you know, feels very um, unwanted, unloved, and um, she doesn't understand why Allah is making her suffer so much. And so we go back to the Samaritan story a lot. And, you know, her trying to wrap her mind around mercy. That's one of the other things in the Islamic faith. They, uh, faith, they do not have like a concept of grace. There's no grace. There's no mercy. Um, it, they kind of have a forgiveness, but it's not. It's not what we understand forgiveness. And so when she's trying, you can I can smell the gears grinding in her head as we go through this these verses and um, John four. But it's just one of those things where, you know, it, just trying to understand that a God named Jesus could be so loving and forgiving um, is just a beautiful thing. Amen. That's good. Last question for today. How can those who are listening pray for your ministry? Well, sure. Um, I do have a praise. So one of the things I have been praying for is teammates. You know, if you look at uh, the Gospels, I mean, Jesus himself moved amongst people. He had partners um, when he passed, you know, rolled the stone away, you know, was risen up into heaven. Um, He left the mission to his, his team. And then the team, they didn't go by themselves. They went and went in groups of two, three, four, or more. And so it it makes a big difference in impacting your ministry when you have people moving amongst you and working with you. And so I had been praying for teammates for, oh gosh, since the beginning. And by the praise of God, I've got four teammates. Wonderful. Yeah. So there's Jake and Renee. Um, they live in central Ohio and then, um, there's Tim and he lives near the campus, um, downtown in Columbus as well. Um, and both of them are kind of focusing on different areas of ministry. So Tim's kind of doing the college campus and then Jake and Renee are doing small families, um, within their, within their community. So we've got the workforce, we've got the education, and now we've got the small family groups. So we're, we're bridging out, which we mm-hmm. hadn't had before. And, you know, it would be exciting um, if, you know, the more and more people joined um, the Central Ohio team to where we could do maybe one team in uh, just for like Northwest you know, Columbus mm-hmm. or Toledo area and, or another team in Cleveland and another team in Cincinnati or just all Columbus. I mean, wherever in Ohio, it'd be cool if we had just a large group of people focusing on the diaspora people groups in Ohio. That is really neat there. And that's something for us to be praying about. Lydia, again, we thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And uh, for those who are listening, again, thank you for joining us. Please be praying for Lydia and her ministry in Central Ohio. We hope you have a great week, and we look forward to sharing with you again next week. Mm